We're on a mission from God. And now for something completely different. This is Pastor Jolly John Lekomsky coming from uh, New Athens, Illinois. And this is Pastor Matt Youngblood Clark coming to you from Ascension Lutheran Church for our service pastor here in South St. Louis. And of course, uh, Lent is now over. It's gone a week, week gone by. We've celebrated the resurrection of Jesus Christ, and so now we're we're free to be a little funny again. <laughs> we, we, uh, you know, a well, little I don't know, funny. People, Emphasis well, on a little. Is that? Yeah, yeah. That, <laughs> that's right. Don't expect a lot of funny. No. Just a little I was just funny. thinking. People, people do call us funny all the time, don't they? But I don't think, yeah. not in the sense we're looking for. That might be ironic, isn't it? We want yeah, to be humorous. Yeah. People call us funny, but in an ironic, an ironic way, a little funny. Yeah. <laughs> but anyway, because I've been chopping at the bit to share this with people, because this is really, really alarming to me. But I thought, okay, all right, I can hold off. I can hold off until after Easter. Do Wait you the know 40 days of Lent. That's right. And it bothers me when I have something that's so crucial, and yet I feel like I I can't tell people. Do you know they've now made plant-based jerky? Plant-based jerky. Plant-based jerky. Say it so, John. uh, That's what I'm thinking. That's not right. Is that, Matt? No. no, I mean a jerky. I mean, by definition, seems like it's it's meat, right? <laughs> That's right. What, what kind of jerky are they making? Do you know what they've been using to make this counterfeit jerky? I don't know. See, that's the thing that worries me. When I'm just warning people who are into these plant-based foods, what they might be using kale, Matt. <laughs> oh no! And I we know gone too far, then, John. As you established last week, kale is only to be used for a. Garnish. Garnish. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Not to make jerky out of. Um, and, and, of course, here's my fear, because it's a slippery slope, Matt. Isn't it a slippery slope? <laughs> What's next? That's what I'm – what is next, John? Well, you know, what do you think they're going to come up with next? If we've got plant-based jerky, what do you think is next on, on this evil, wicked agenda that they have? I what? shudder to think. They, they, I don't know, John. If we've got meatloaf, are they going to have vegetable loaf? I don't know. I don't know. Bacon, that's what worries me. Oh, Are we gonna bacon have plant might be in jeopardy. Bacon? Oh, oh, no. That is please, reason to worry, John. Please help us. No, no, we don't want plant. We don't want plant-based jerky either. But, but that's what'll happen. The next thing you know, it'll be plant-based bacon. Yeah, you'll go to get your BLT, and it'll taste like like kale. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so, what is right. this world coming to? I don't oh, know, John. Thank yeah, you for alerting us to this. We just, appreciate it. So please, people, when you're buying your bacon, make sure that it comes from a pig. <laughs> okay. Right. Not from kale. Um, so, Matt, I, you know, you, you guys are using the three-year series, aren't you? The three-year lectionary? That's right. That's our, our scheduled readings. And we, uh, yeah, we are in your C, I believe, right now, John. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah, the third of three years. Yes. And, and so tell them what, what your C is all about. 
Well, I, it is about, uh, it is all about Jesus, first of all. <laughs> but if, if They're I all remember, about Jesus. Yeah, go right, ahead. I'm right. sorry. Yeah, that's right. But yeah, the third year, uh, the three-year lectionary, that the third year is about um, uh, Luke primarily yeah. going through the yeah. gospel of Luke. And and so as we're as we're doing this, and, and I'm either preaching on it or I'm sitting there listening to it because I do go to church even when I'm not working. I'm glad to hear that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, Lynn makes me. <laughs> Here I'm thinking I'm retired. I'm retired, man. I can play golf on Sunday mornings, but no, no. Lynn insists that we go. Good to for you, Lynn. You've got a good <laughs> wife, John. Yeah, I do. I really do. Um, so the one thing that I noticed that I never noticed in my forty years. Of actually doing this, working with Luke, he loves the word apolumai, uh, which actually I think you touched on a little bit last week, wasn't it, or, or, or before? What, what does the word apolumai mean, Matt? Yeah, apolumai. Um, yeah, perish, right, or destroy. Yeah. Oh, yeah, I love that because that's often the translation destroy. And of course, so you had this gospel uh, several weeks ago, Luke 13, verses 1 through 5. You want to read just, uh, uh, yeah, just read a couple verses of that, Luke 13, if you would, Matt. Okay. There were some present at that very time who told him about the Galileans whose blood Pilate had mingled with their sacrifices. And he answered them, Do you think that these Galileans were worse sinners than all the other Galileans because they suffered in this way? No, I tell you, but unless you repent, you will all likewise perish. Or those 18 on whom the tower in Siloam fell and killed them, do you think that they were worse offenders than all the others who lived in Jerusalem? No, I tell you, but unless you repent, you will all likewise perish. And, and I, I like that passage because we have the word killed in there, right? The, the guys that were killed in the Tower of Siloam. And, and so this gives us a chance to illustrate that perishing is far worse than just being killed. Yeah, Jesus didn't say, oh, you better repent lest you be killed, but no, lest you, lest you perish. And, and, and it's interesting uh, because in the chapter before, Luke actually gives us a pretty good understanding of what the difference is from just being killed and perishing. If you could read, uh, and, and be forewarned, I actually had a note in there in the things I sent you, but if you could just read Luke 12, verse 5. Okay, but I will warn you whom to fear. Fear him who, after he has killed, has authority to cast into hell. Yes, I tell you, fear him. So what, what's the difference between being killed and perishing? Yeah. So killed, so perishing, um, you know, it seems as though it would be even beyond the actual physical death, but even the, the suffering of hell, you know, what occurs even after that. And it's interesting that in Matthew's gospel, where he uh, quotes Jesus, gives us the same uh, statement, Matthew actually does use the word apoluma. He uses the word perish there again. So yeah, so so here's the thing. We're all going to die. Everybody's going to do that. Can't get away from that. Jesus did that, and he was sinless, as you pointed out so well uh, last, last week. But we're still all going to die. Uh, but... We hope we don't perish. Um, yeah, just, yeah. Hey, yeah, go yeah, ahead. John, yeah. Well, just real quick, I think, you know, and, and correct me if I'm wrong, but I think John 3.16 even, you know, that famous Bible verse, oh. I think that's the word that's used there too, that, you know, whoever believes whoever believes in him will not perish. And I think it's apoluma is the word that's used there, but have eternal life. And Abs- so it's kind of a neat... Kind of a neat thought too. You know, you're not going to perish. It doesn't mean you're not going to die. Okay, you're still you're probably still going to die unless Jesus returns. But yeah, you won't suffer hell, but have eternal life. 
Yeah, and that man, a perfect passage, Matt, because yeah, there is the contrast. There's the perishing, uh, not dying, uh, but the opposite is, of course, life eternal, which is a, can, can happen when you're dead. You can die and still have life eternal. Well, exactly. Of course, that's what Easter was all about, wasn't it? That you can die and you can still rise and you can still ascend to heaven. And as it happened to Jesus, so it'll happen to us. Um, and, and there's all kinds of other passages, I think, that really emphasize uh, what this perishing is like. In fact, let's just throw a couple of them out there, Matt. Luke, Luke 17, verse 27, again, shows the idea of the perishing, if you would read that. Yeah, they were eating and drinking and marrying and being given in marriage until the day when Noah entered the ark, and the flood came and destroyed them all. Likewise, just as it was in the days of Lot, they were eating and drinking, buying and selling, planting and building. But on the day when Lot went out from Sodom, fire and sulfur rained from heaven and destroyed them all. So it will be on the day when the Son of Man is revealed. And, and the word there uh, in the English is actually, as again, is this Greek word, apolumai, is what, Matt? Uh, well, I blew my destroy, perish. Destroy, yeah, yeah, yeah. which you, you referenced before. And again, I think that's a really, really good translation for Apollumai. Uh, and, and you had this story. Did you preach on this story about the the uh, the tenants, right, who, who the master comes and says, give me my fruit, and, and they kill his servants, and then he sends his son, they'll respect my son, and they kill the son? Did you do Did you? Yeah, have I did, yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah, I know, did, it was wicked, did, wicked tenants. Did you preach on that? I sure did. Did you? Okay. Yeah, just uh, this past. Well, as we're recording this, I preached on it this past well, okay, Sunday. So yeah. just real quick. So what? What? How did you deal with that? Because that's a really, that's a really powerful law. Well, in fact, read the verse. Here's the conclusion, Luke twenty yeah. verse sixteen. Yeah. yeah. So uh, Jesus says uh, he will come and destroy. He's talking about the owner of the vineyard will come and destroy those tenants and give the vineyard to others. When they heard this, they said, surely not. <laughs> so, so it gives you some sense of how powerful the word yeah. apolumai, destroy, is, because even the crowd goes, oh, no, that that can't happen. Uh, yeah. So real quick, how did you handle that, man? How did you? Well, yeah, well, so, yeah, I think it's important to know who, who Jesus is addressing. He's in the temple when he yeah. tells this story. And it's it's not just the people gathered to him, but it's also the, the Jewish religious leaders. We're told it's the chief oh, yeah. priests, the elders, the scribes, okay? And they're coming and they're, they're, they're heckling Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> yes. They're giving Jesus a hard time. They're trying to trap Jesus. Um, so he tells this story really in response to that. And at the end of this parable, he, they realize they're no dummies. They're no dummies. They realize they're ta he's talking about us. Uh, we're the tenants that throughout the uh, the servants, the the prophets that the Lord had sent and warned, and we we you know he's Jesus saying we rejected them, and even the son you know that was killed. Of course, that's Jesus himself. And they realize he's talking against them. And so that's why they respond, surely not. Uh, and then Jesus goes on. And, and what I really focus on the sermon is what Jesus says next. He quotes Psalm 118 and says, uh, the stone that the builders rejected has become the cornerstone. And they realize, wait a second, he's still talking about us. Ah. Uh, so Je Jesus is the rejected son. Jesus is the rejected stone. And uh, he, is, he is warning against rejecting him. Uh, in that parable. And and, uh, and and we'll throw in one more verse, as long as we're talking about these scribes and Pharisees and priests and everything. Luke 19, 47. Yeah. Uh, and he was teaching uh, daily in the temple. The chief priests and the scribes and the principal men of the people were seeking to destroy him.
So, so that's that's what they wanted to do to Jesus. Uh, yeah. And again, it wasn't just that they wanted to kill him. They literally wanted to blot him out uh, completely. Uh, uh, and yeah, so in that very powerful parable, he says, yeah, well, that might happen to you. That might be what will happen to you. Or it's really what should happen to you since you've rejected the one whom God has sent. This program is produced by listener-supported KFUO Radio. Your support during KFUO share is vital to the continuation of great programs like this one. If you appreciate this program, please consider what you can give to support the ongoing ministry of KFUO Radio and this program. You can make a gift sending a text to the number 41444. Enter KFUO as the message. You'll get a text right back that walks you through the steps on your phone, and it takes just a minute or two. You can also visit KFUO.org and click on the Donate button or give Mary a call at 314-996-1518. Thanks for listening and supporting KFUO Radio. Christ for you, anytime, anywhere. So here's the surprise, though. And, and thank God for Pastor Bittner. I'm so blessed, uh, our pastor, uh, Lyle Bittner, because he pointed out that this word, apolumai, is used in yet another classic Luke story. And I suppose at some point I, I, I must have known that when I prepared a sermon in past years, but I had forgotten about it. It's the story of the lost sheep. Uh, Matt, I didn't put this on my notes. I don't know if you have your Bible handy. Yeah, I sure do. Uh, So Luke 15, if you'd read verse 3. Okay, so Jesus told them this parable. What man of you having a hundred sheep, if he has lost one of them, does not leave the 99 in the open country and go after the one that is lost until he finds it? You can read read the whole parable. Keep going? Okay. And when he has found it, he lays it on his shoulders, rejoicing. And when he comes home, he calls together his friends and his neighbors, saying to them, Rejoice with me! I found my sheep that was lost! Just so I tell you, there will be more joy in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 righteous persons who need no repentance. And so, Matt, I guess guess what word in that parable is actually the word apolumai again? The well, word about that parakeet. is what I was going to ask you, John. Yeah? Oh, yeah, okay. <laughs> yeah. It, it's the word the lost. The lost, the lost yes. word. That's, that's the only kind of negative word in the text. Yeah, that yeah. would be my guess. Lost. Okay. And and is so that makes that parable so much more powerful because it's not just that the sheep was wandering around somewhere, you know, in, in the countryside. Wherever the sheep is, he's about to perish. That's as good the as dead, as good as perishing. Yeah. Yeah. If somebody doesn't find him, he's 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 lost in the sense that he's perished. He's gone. He's dead. They'll find his bones sometime, picked picked over by the the vultures. You know. Uh, wow. And by the way, it's yep. the same thing in the next parable about the parable of the the lost coin. Uh, and, and you know, it occurred to me: Have you ever lost anything, Matt? Oh, sure. 
<laughs> All the time. Have I ever, John? <laughs> and, and, and you search and you look for it. And if you don't find it, for all practical purposes, it is it is gone, right? It has it yeah. has perished in a sense. Uh, um, so, I, I, boy, it just makes those parables all the more powerful to realize that we're talking about something that has just been destroyed. If, if it isn't found, if someone doesn't care enough for it to search for it and look for it, it's not just that it's it's wandered away. It it it's it's perished. It, it's yeah. destroyed. And no, that's a great insight, John. Yeah, I mean, yeah, uh, to make that little note in our Bibles even, um, you can see the urgency the shepherd has for that lost sheep because to him, if he doesn't, it's as good as destroyed. And if, if that's us or if that's someone who's maybe straying away from the Lord or from his church, boy, um, the urgency to, to seek them out uh, because if they stay separated, they're as good as dead, as good as destroyed. So, so that was the the new insight that 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 I had that, that Luke loves this word perish and he uses it over and over and over again this apolumai, but then is the thing that puzzled me. So read the point of the parable in verse seven. Okay, so so where are we uh, verse seven, John of Luke, yeah, chapter, 15? Luke fifteen, Luke fifteen, verse okay. seven. Yeah. Just so I tell you, there will be more joy in heaven over one sinner who repents than over ninety nine persons who need no repentance. Now here's the thing, however, that all of a sudden that puzzles me, and and I'd never been puzzled about it before, but now it puzzles me. Uh, what, what when we think of repent, Matt? What would you say? Uh, what's the normal? What most people would think of when they think of the word repent? When Jesus says repent, let are you will perish? What do people usually think of? Well, yeah, in the words metanoia, usually that Greek word. Yes, so, yeah, that's exactly change, what it is. Change of of heart, change of mind. Okay. Um, and I think, you know, a lot of people, I think, you know, have this idea of repentance as kind of a, a turning even, you know, a, a turning away from sin and, and, and to Christ. Well, now, now, see, now you've gone and given us the good answer. <laughs> Darn you. Why did I ask you? <laughs> I should have known you'd give right. us the correct answer. <laughs> Just trying to play along, John. <laughs> oh, no, no. I'm looking for Matt, the dumb guy. Where's okay. he at? <laughs> Darn it. That smart Matt showed up today. Just when you're when, well, isn't that ironic? I was looking for the dumb Matt and I got the smart Matt. You should have <laughs> given me a heads up. We need <laughs> Because <laughs> okay. I was just thinking, most people think of it as, as being sorrowful, being sad, uh, and, sure. and remorse. Yeah. Remorse yeah. is bet. the word that people yeah, would use. Right. Uh, although you were right on the money when you said this is metanoia, because there's actually another word for remorse. Uh, it's actually used when it talks about Judas. Judas, Judas doesn't metanoia. He doesn't repent. He he. He does have remorse. He's sad, yeah. but but uh, but he doesn't repent. Uh, anyway, but this is what I was thinking. Well, even even in the smart usage, even in the proper usage of repent, uh, the thing is, is how, how does a sheep repent? How does that have to do with a uh, with with a sinner who repents? It's just a stupid sheep who's lost, right? Yeah. He wandered off from the flock. In what sense does he repented? It just doesn't fit, does it? It doesn't fit with the whole coin parable either. So the coin got lost, and now the coin's found. But, but how would you say that the coin repented? What does that have to do with sinners who repent? Do you, do you have any ideas, Matt? Well, yeah. I mean, yeah. So a coin is even it's an inanimate object, right? Yeah. I mean, it, it, yeah. It, it, it can't do anything, right? And so it's it's really I, I 
what I find neat is it's the shepherd's work, right? It's yes. the it's the woman who seeks out the coin, her work in in finding what is lost and making it unlost, unperished, <laughs> and found and and alive and restored. And and see, that's why those two parables are so crucial. Yeah. Because next week you're going to do the next parable, right? Isn't that what you said, Matt? The parable about the the the, the oh the prodigal son, yeah. The, the prodigal, the lost, the the perishing son. Oh, Matt, and you know what? The word comes up in that parable too. Oh, okay. So so it, it'll be exciting to talk. But see, if, if I'm a Pharisee, because that's the context, right? We got Pharisees and sinners. Sinners are listening. They've come there to hear Jesus. Pharisees have come there to grumble about Jesus. Yep. And, and so, so if we start with the parable about the prodigal son, if I'm a Pharisee, I'm going to say, that's right, Jesus. These <laughs> people around here, they need to repent. You're absolutely true. That's absolutely true. Okay. And and you'll lead us through that next week. But I think Jesus starts with these parables where sheep don't really do anything. Coins don't really do anything. Oh, and man, Matt, you hit it right on the head. You you the smart Matt did show up today. <laughs> Every once in a while. <laughs> oh no, no. More often than not. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> But yeah, isn't that the exciting thing? The, the parables are all about what the shepherd did, all about what the woman did that was fine. It's all about what they do. And, and I think we need to understand that's really the the scriptural sense of repentance, uh, that there is remorse. You'll, you'll show us that next week, right? That, that the, the prodigal son, there is you remorse bet. there. Yeah. Uh, but, but the essence of repentance, no, is that you're found. That's the essence of repentance, that you realize that you have been found. Um, if you don't mind, Matt, uh, since we are Lutheran, we, we've come out. We've not, we have not, have not hidden that from people. <laughs> We're honest. <laughs> and and we, 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 don't, we, don't, we love you. We, we hope that we got Catholics and Baptists and Episcopalians and uh, I, Muslims. We would welcome Muslims to listen to us, too, because we just want people to know about how much God loves them and what Jesus has done for them. We don't care what their background might be. Amen. But here's the confession, what our confessions say in Augsburg, Augsburg Article 12, if you could read that, because this is, I think this is just so cool. Uh, if you could read it, please. All right, yeah, from the Lutheran Confessions, it says, Now, properly speaking, true repentance is nothing else than to have contrition and sorrow or terror about sin. And okay, the so same that's time, what most to... people understand. That's what, okay. They understand that's what's going to But now here's, here's, here's what it's really about. Go ahead and, and read. Yeah, 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 we don't stop there, yeah. Uh, and yet at the same time, uh, to believe in the gospel and absolution that sin is forgiven and grace is obtained through Christ. Such faith, in turn, comforts the heart and puts it at peace. So, so and I love that phrase, at yet the same time. Yeah, See? simultaneous, right? Same time, yep. Because I think people think that, oh, well, now I shouldn't feel bad. And the thing is, of course we feel bad, <laughs> you know? If I if I if I slap somebody <laughs> and we won't mention any names now. Oh, no. <laughs> yeah. But I, I should feel bad about that and I should continue to feel bad about it. And I should think I don't want to be slapping people. Okay? That should bother me. That shouldn't go away. It should not be, oh, I guess it's all right to slap people now. God forgives me. <laughs> right? That's I, right. I said, <laughs> so I go, no, 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 no. We should always feel bad about sin. And yet at the same time, I just love that. We need to know that God has forgiven us. 
absolutely, totally, completely nothing left to do because he's been, it's been done for us. It's obtained through Christ, the, that that text says. And I love, it comforts the heart and puts us at peace to be able to realize, no, we are sinners. We're still sinning. We don't like that. We don't want to sin. That's true, but we are. And yet, isn't it nice to know that God loves and God forgives us? Um, and so I want to share with you one last Lucan passage that uses the word Apolumai. And again, okay. you had this passage. I had this passage. But at the time, I did not see the connection because I didn't know all the perishing passages that would be coming afterwards. Could you read for us Luke 13, verse 33? And, and you might as well do the whole thing, 33 okay. to 35. Nevertheless, Jesus says, I must go on my way today and tomorrow and the following, for it cannot be that a prophet should perish away from Jerusalem. Well, Jerusalem, Jerusalem, the city that kills the prophets and stones those who are sent to it. How often would I have gathered your children together as a hen gathers her brood under her wings, and yet you are not willing. Behold, your house is forsaken. I tell you, you will not see me until you say, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. And, and so isn't that cool? Jesus is the one who perishes. Yeah. Yep. We should perish, but Jesus says, nope, nope, I'm coming. I'm going to Jerusalem. That's what I got to do. I can't do it anywhere else. And I'm going to go there to perish for you. Uh, and, and, you know, you told us about Barabbas last week, and I got to thinking, man, God loves Barabbas, that he kept him from perishing. And and I think I think God probably after that would do everything possible, not just so that Barabbas wouldn't be crucified, but that Barabbas would also not perish, but he would come to faith. Uh, if I, if you could read just one last passage that, where Luke uses the word perish, Luke 21, 18. Oh yeah, what a comforting verse. Uh, but not a hair of your head will perish. All right, so that's what wrestling with the basics is all about. Uh, we're going to die, uh, but not even a hair of our head will perish, which, by the way, is kind of a cool resurrection text, isn't it, for Easter season? The hairs of our head are going to be redeemed and restored, too. So, Matt, thank you very much. This has been Wrestling, wrestling with, with the Basics. The basics.